the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by the Cardinals general manager, Michael Gersh. It's been a busy week here in St. Louis. Gersh, Moe, and Randy Flores have all been working hard to get the best deals possible at the trade deadline. Gersh joins us now via the 101 ESPN hotline. Michael, we appreciate the time as always. Let's start with what the last week has been like for you. A lot of Cardinals fans wonder, what what is this week like for Michael Gersh, for John Mosellock, for Randy Andy Flores. So take us inside of that room. How is the work divvied up between the three of you in particular? Well, I think it, first of all, it's a bigger group than just three of us. There's, there's, there's a lot of people who are part of the process um, from the scouts out in the field, to the analytics guys who, who produce all the data that we need to make decisions. Um, so it's, it's a big process, player development, figuring out where guys are going to go and how they're going to fit. So the, uh, I mean, the process really started shortly after the draft ended. We, we actually, even before the draft, we started making some exploratory phone calls. Um, Moises Rodriguez, Mo and I each took some teams and, and made some just basic introductory phone calls before the draft, just to sort of have an idea of where people thought they were going. Obviously things changed in the last you know couple of weeks of July, depending on how teams play, but um, it starts early. You start uh, going through teams, prospects and, and, you know, controllable players to identify players that we'd be interested in or guys that would fit for us well and, and, you know, get second looks on scout reports where we can have guys review video where we need to, um, you know, flow runs point on a lot, a lot of that stuff. And then ultimately we just, we're, we're, you know, in a room for the last few days, you know, reacting to phone calls and, and going through lists and deciding what offers, what counters and, when to be aggressive and when to let the clock run and hope that the other side gets nervous before we do sort of thing. So it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of moving parts. I, I've never been part of a deadline like this. I've it's my 18th season. We've never done anything like this before. So it was a little bit new for all of us, but, uh, I hope never do it again. So Michael, I imagine you're, you're like the, you guys are the, the Kings of multitasking. Like, have you mastered the art of holding three phones with somebody on the other line at once and talking to all three of them? Yeah. We, it's funny, like at times it's like really busy and you really are like you got multiple things going on, especially like the last couple hours of the deadline. And other times it's a lot of sitting around like like you counter somebody or you make an offer or you make an ask uh, and they either say, well, I'll get back to you or let me take it to my group or whatever. And then then you kind of sit around and stare at each other for a little while and try to think. Like, this makes so much sense to us. Why don't they disagree with us? Our text line's like that a lot, Gersh. (laughs) They they send out a lot of great trade proposals. So uh, whatever you guys don't want and you have, like, the best player in the league, that's typically what what our text line sends. So I feel like a lot of teams would would be interested in some of those offers. We'll forward you those proposals, Mike, (laughs) if you want. 
<laughs> I think we're good for now. I think we're good. <laughs> so I do want to go back to something you said there about Flores and uh, some of the evaluations that he's had. A lot of the guys that you acquired at this year's trade deadline were parts of recent drafts. So how much do you take into account, you know, some of what the draft rankings were, what you guys had down as their profiles at that point in time versus what they've been so far down in the minor leagues? Yeah, I think I think you have to be careful falling in love with a high school kid that you saw three years ago and still still holding on to that if what he's done since then has been dramatically different. I think that's something that, on the other hand, if we have information about what kind of kid he is or, or background or anything else, and, and he's that, that can be helpful. So it's, it's sort of a fine line between, um, you know, using information that's old, but, but also having a history on a player. You, you want to have history. You want to know where he's been and where you think he's going and what kind of player he is and how he's improved. But, you know, just because we liked him in the uh, 2021 or 2020 draft doesn't mean that that, you know, should have a whole lot of weight in July of 2023. Michael, uh, Mo talked prior to the deadline about pitching, 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 focusing really on 2024, and we didn't see a whole lot of cost-controlled, major league-ready arms moved at this year's deadline, but how would you classify you and your team's aggressiveness at that deadline of trying to acquire one of those cost-controlled young pitchers? Well, I think one of the things you have to keep in mind is that teams who are competing this year for the playoffs don't want to trade cost-controlled starting pitchers. They, they need them. And in fact, they need more of them. That's why they're in the market for guys like, like Flaherty and Montgomery who are not cost-controlled, right? So I think the idea that, that you know, look, last year, the Yankees, we were able to identify a team like the Yankees who was competing while we were competing, and we had extra outfielders, and they felt they had depth in starting pitching, and we, and we made a trade for a cost-controllable control, starting pitcher at the deadline with a, competitive, you know, a team going for it. And that's just, just very rare. So we certainly explored it. We certainly talked to teams, but you know, very few teams are in a position where they have so much starting pitching that they're willing to give you something that is controllable beyond this year while they're trying to win the division or go to the playoffs or win a World Series. So, um, had discussions, but nothing that really made sense for us. And so we'll revisit those, you know, in the off season when it's uh, a, a lot more pitchers are available to talk about than they are in July. That was my follow-up. Does that just counter the discussions and then you revisit them again in the off season? Does it begin more discussions potentially? I think, I think there are definitely teams we had discussions with about starting pitching, about controllable starting pitching, about their interests. A lot of teams were interested in our controllable position players. And so we have a better idea now of, of what teams are, are excited about which of our controllable position players that, if it makes sense, we'll, we'll revisit it in you know November. And, and if things change between now and then, then we'll go in a different direction. But certainly there were some of those discussions might lay the groundwork for, uh, for off-season discussions. Michael Gersh is the Cardinals general manager, and he's joining us now uh, on the 101 ESPN hotline here with BK and Ferrario. Uh, Gersh, I did want to ask you uh, about some of your own players that you maybe learn about at the deadline as teams are calling or you're calling other teams. How much did you learn about how other teams value your players that maybe even still remain on the roster? Yeah, I, I think we have a very good position player group. And, and the position player group that we have for the rest of the year, all of them are controllable going forward. And I think that was very evident that a lot of teams listed a lot of controllable position players that they were interested in. And I sometimes would say, I don't understand how we have so many guys that everyone's interested in, and yet we're selling. Like, this is not how the year was supposed to go. And most of the most of my peers agreed. They're like, yeah, I don't know how you guys are in this spot, but we like. And then they listed like six of our position players or eight of our position players. And um, so I think I think we learned that we're in a 
good spot on the position player side. And obviously we, we need to improve our pitching. Obviously we need to do a better job, you know, with, with base running and defense and one run games and all, all sorts of things have gone wrong this year that, that we need to, to clean up going forward. And I, and I have confidence we will, but I do think we're in a really good spot on the position player side in terms of guys who are here, guys who are coming, guys who we control. It's, it's a good spot. So, Michael, that's that's the one thing Mo did talk about in the offseason was that the model that the Cardinals have gone about for the last however many years, it's going to be tested this year. And he then said that, yeah, we might have to tweak this model or change this model. How do you view that model being tweaked or changed going into this offseason? Well, I think we have we have still two months of baseball to see kind of where we stand going into the offseason. So I think I think sort of having a plan right now that doesn't make a ton of sense. The the, the, the uh, we'll see how some of these guys who get opportunities to pitch to either start or or guys who we give opportunities in the bullpen how they do. We'll just have a better idea where we stand at the at the end of you know at the end of the season than we do today in terms of our depth and and where we are. Um, but we do. We, 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 we do have to look at our position player group and figure out who we want to bet on and, and who might make more sense to use, uh, use as trade bait. We're talking to Michael Gersh for another few minutes here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Gersh, when you look at the players that you were able to acquire at this year's trade deadline and specifically on the pitching side of things, is it fair to believe that any of those guys will be competing for a legitimate rotation spot by opening day of next year? Or is this more uh, depth that can be used at some point next year? Um, I, I think as we sit here today, it's probably unlikely anyone is competing out of spring training for, for a position, for, for a, a, a rotation spot. Um, I think uh, Drew Rahm is the only one who has a lot of pitching experience at AAA. Um, the other guys have mostly been at AA. All of them had a lot of success at AA, and we're sending uh, Roberts and Klopfenstein straight to AAA, so they'll have you know, whatever it is, eight or 10 starts at the end of the year here uh, at AAA to sort of, to sort of see how that goes. Um, but I think this is a group that gets added to guys like Graceffo and McGreevy and puts us in a spot where we have a, a, an entire roster, an entire rotation of, of major league prospects at Memphis going into next year to give us good insurance behind, um, behind whatever we end up with in the rotation. And you, and you never know. I mean, I don't think it, if you had asked me a year ago at this time, would Jordan Walker be breaking camp with us? I would have said I highly doubt it. And and he had a great finish of the year, great fall league, and a great spring, and, and things change. So, um, but I don't think we didn't trade with any of these guys intending to like ink put them in ink as the uh, a spot in the rotation. My, Michael, you've been with the Cardinals for some time now. Can you remember a time with the Cardinals where, where this team has had such a long laundry list of things to accomplish in the offseason? Well, I, I, so I would sort of push back on that a little bit. I, I think our, our laundry list is actually relatively short. It's just it's pitching. It's starting pitching. Like We need a couple starting pitchers. Um, we've gone into other years where we need we, we've had you know, this year we had we needed a catcher. It was obvious, right? And a starting pitcher, um, and we brought back Wayno and, and signed uh, and signed Wilson, right? And so I, I think I don't think we have a longer list. I think it's just a more concentrated list. I think if instead of needing a couple starting pitchers, we needed one starting pitcher and a pitcher player of some sort, it would be a little bit more of a quote unquote normal offseason. Um, 
but our needs are all on the pitching side, and, and we'll uh, we'll attack those when we get to the offseason. How do you attack the bullpen, uh, Gersh, as you look towards the offseason? And I know I'm, I'm sure the rest of this season will play into it, but how do you view your bullpen right now with the options that you have and how important that's going to be to bolster in the offseason as well? I think the biggest thing we need right now is is to see Ryan Helsley get back on the mound and, and pitch healthy the rest of the way and pitch well. I think an anchor like that at the back of your bullpen makes a huge difference. And and knowing where we stand with, with, uh, with Hells before the offseason will be a big part of kind of figuring out what our bullpen needs to look like. But then guys like Gallegos, Colante, Romero, they've all been pitching well. We need them to continue to pitch well and show that they're clearly part of it. And then the the, the rest of the guys that we have who have who have options and have flexibility and get an opportunity here to see how John King looks and see how um, you know the rest of the guys that will be coming up and down throughout the rest of the year how they can run with their opportunities. I think that's it's an opportunity for these guys to sort of stake a claim to a to a, a, a bullpen spot in the next two months and and some guys kind of already have those claims and we just need them to keep pitching well and be healthy and and others hopefully can step up. And that internal competition is always good, Michael, and you're going to get that evaluation from the bullpen. Do you feel like there's still an opportunity to uh, evaluate or compete in terms of outfield positioning, or do you feel like your team kind of has an idea of that outfield and who fits where? No, I think there's definitely an opportunity for, there's you know a couple hundred plate appearances still still at each of the three spots plus the DH spot and, and between, you know, Carlson and Lars and O'Neill and Walker and Burleson, they'll, they'll each get plenty of opportunities to sort of continue to establish who they are as big leaguers. And, and that's part of what we'll learn over the next two months. How do you guys view the future of center field, Michael? Um, I, I, I mean, I think we, we think we have several players who can play center field and we'll sort of, again, over the next two months, see how they all perform to give us a better idea of what, the, the short-term future of center field looks like. I think Dylan and Lars both have shown they can do it. Um, I think Tyler O'Neill has the skills to do it, but I think it just makes more sense to keep him in the left field. And I think, you know, in the longer term, Victor Scott has kind of rocketed up our, our uh, awareness board as he had a great year at A-ball and now at double-A and stealing bases and getting on base. And um, he's sort of not in the not in the short term, but in the in the medium term, is sort of pushing his way onto the radar as to what center field might look like. You didn't mention Tommy Edmond there. Do you do you foresee him getting opportunities in center the rest of the way this year as well? I think I think at some point this year he might play some outfield. I think our we have outfielders who need plate appearances, and so they'll be getting the bulk of the outfield plate appearances. I think the fact that Tommy Edmond can be an above average center fielder and an above average shortstop makes him incredibly valuable, and and makes it so that you can enter a season with some with some question marks, knowing that Tommy can be plugged into a few different spots. Um, and it's entirely possible, depending on how things go, that, you know, when when we have the opportunity to bring, when it makes sense to bring Mason Wynn up, and when he's ready to get an opportunity in the big leagues, if he runs with it, then that would free Tommy up to, to compete with that center field job, for sure. And that's my final question. We'll get you out of here on this, and we sincerely appreciate all the time today, Michael. Uh, when you look at Mason Wynn and the factors that go into the timeline of calling him up, what are some of those factors that you guys are looking at right now? I think part of it is just Mason has had a really good couple months in AAA, and he's, look, he moved quickly through our system. He got to AAA quickly. He scuffled a little bit early in the season, and he is now having real success in AAA. And part of what we want to do is sort of d- demonstrate he can continue that. Like having a good couple weeks at AAA is a great step, but 
the, the game of baseball is about endurance and, and, and repeating the, the, the success over and over again. And so before we push him on to his next challenge, we want him to show that he has continued success in AAA. And, um, and he's been doing that. And it, as long as he keeps doing that, I think, you know, there'll be a time before the end of the season. I think there's very likely to be a time where he gets an opportunity up here. There's no magic thing he needs to do. There's no magic moment. I mean, it's, some of it is just showing that he can sustain that success, you know, in the long term, and then we'll give him a chance to step up here and, and show what he can do down the stretch. Michael Gersh is the Cardinals general manager coming off of a very busy week with the trade deadline now behind him. Michael, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Hopefully we'll talk w- again soon. Best of luck the rest of the way. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks.